0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaytanir Rajim, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen, Wassalatu Wassalamu Allah Sayyidina Muhammadin wa Wa'ali Hit Tahirin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers and sisters, and welcome to session number nine of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program. We have reached page number 42 of the Holy Quran, and so we will begin with that page and this is one that speaks about how the day all connections are lost. The day of judgment is the day that all connections are lost. So in this life, brothers and sisters, when we need something um, there are different ways to actually get our hands on that which we need, right? So the same thing probably holds for the Akhira, right? We will have we will use the same means we would use in this life to gain things. We'll use them in the day of judgment, no problem, right? Well this verse or this page, one of the lessons in this page is letting us know that that is not the case and things are gonna be a little different than they were in this dunya. Let's recite the verse. This is verse two fifty four of Surah Baqarah. Ya ayuhal ladina amanu amfiku mimma razakodnakum in Pabli ayatia yomulla bayum wala khulla tuwala shafaa. Walkafiruna humoddalimun. O you who have faith, spend out of what we have provided you. Before there comes a day in which there will be no trade, neither friendship, nor intercession and the faithless they are the they are the wrongdoers all right so in this life what we do is when we need something right what do we do we either go buy it okay so through trade uh buying and selling and whatnot okay or if we can't buy it we'll get it from a friend right called my friend up Hey, salam. Do you have this? Do you have that? I need a gallon of milk. I'm making some uh, making some cookies, so I need the milk for for making the cookies and to have my cookies with the milk after I'm done. Nothing beats uh, nothing beats uh, cho- warm chocolate chip cookies with a cold glass of milk, huh? So you either get it from your friend or a neighbor or whoever that you have somewhat of a relationship, somewhat of a friendship with. Sometimes your friend doesn't have what you want, what you need, right? What, are they, what, do you, what do they do? They have friends that aren't your direct friends, right? But you have a tie with them through a mutual friend that you share. And so you'll call your friend and you'll be like, Hey, I know you don't got this. Or if you don't have this, can you at least look around for me through your contacts and see if you can find uh, what I need from them? Because I'm not in direct contact with them. I'm not a friend of them directly. So it's one of these three means. If I need something, I have to get my hands on it somehow. This is how I'll get my hands on it. This verse is letting us know that the only way you can have what you need on that side in the yawm al-qiyamah, the Day of Judgment, is if you send it from here. Right? If you send it from here, there is no other way. Why? Because on the Day of Judgment it says, "La bayun Fihi There is no trade there. On the Day of Judgment, you need water, you need food, right? The Ukrawi hereafter type food or drink. If you need it, ain't going to be no grocery stores there. Ain't going to be no stalls there where they're selling stuff. No lemonade stands, nothing <laughs> that you can buy from, right? No matter how much you want to spend, it doesn't matter. You can't, so, because there, there is no such thing there. There is no friendship there. No friendship there. You can't get anything from friends like you would here. Yo, Salaam, we're playing video games you know, with the, with the boys. Uh, we just busted one of our game controllers. Uh, can we get one from you? None of that anymore. Now, of course, no one's playing video games on the day of judgment. Of course, (laughs) but the point I'm trying to make—I'm just giving an example. Like, you can't hit your friend up, call them up, and be like, "Hey, can I have?" The Quran says, "On that day, no one cares about each other anymore. Everyone has something they have to—they have that's worrying them and distracting them from others. They've got enough to worry about. Each person." Everyone has something going on that is going to keep them preoccupied. They're not going to be able to care about anybody else. Friendship? What friendship? No. Yes, <clears throat> there is one verse that is very hope inspiring. And that is the verse that says, Look, Al Achilla idin. إِلَّا Muttaqun or الا الْمُتَّقِينَ I'm not sure about the ending. That on that day, الأخِلَّة all of the friends, all of the people here in this dunya that were friends with each other, what happens on the Day of Judgment? They are enemies of each other. لِبَعْدٍ عَدُو عَدُو means enemy. But there is one exception. There is one type of friendship that will persist even there. And that is that the one that revolves around taqwa, the friends that you had who were muttaqin, who were god wary who practiced the faith properly out of fear of Allah. And uh, they, they, they were very strict when it came to the rules of God and God's satisfaction. They always put God's satisfaction first and others next. Yeah, these types of people that you were friends with, that your friendship was based on, this friendship will remain. But everything else out there, it doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't matter how close you were to each other. If the basis of it was not taqwa, then most probably on the Day of Judgment you could care less about each other. Yeah, it's pretty scary. So anyway, going back to the verse, la khullatun, khulla, you know this uh, term khalil, uh, which means friend, comes from the same root. Khulla means friendship. There is no friendship there for you to turn to that friend of yours to help you. He's got enough to worry about himself. All right, well, what if my friend doesn't have time for me, but I, his friends will have time or will be able to help me out? Maybe he has some connections there. Maybe he can be the middle person and intercede for me to his friends, so they help me out. Right? So I go to my friend, I'm like, look, you can't do anything for me, but can your friends... Do anything for me? Can you speak to them? Ask them? Do shafa'ah. So they help me out? The answer is wala Shafa'a. There's no shafa'ah. So you can't help yourself on the day of judgment. You can't your friend can't help you. And anyone else out there that you can go through your friend to reach can't help you. What's left? What's left is to do something from before, don't leave it for then. So send from here and. that's why the verse speaks like this in the beginning of it. It says give from that which we have given you, spend out of what we have provided you now in this life, before that day comes because when that day comes and you need currency, You need money, so to speak, that you haven't sent from here by giving away, then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, the currency that is used on the day of judgment is the currency of what you have done in this life. There's nothing else you can do other than we can do other than this. All right. So deprivation today equals deprivation tomorrow. You deprive others of 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 um, help today you will be deprived tomorrow. and That's why we have some interesting hadith here that, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will bless some people more than others, but then that comes with expectations that they are going to also help others. When Allah notices, if Allah notices that this person that has been blessed with more isn't doing their due part of helping financially, then Allah will take from that person and will give to someone else so that he can channel his help to others through that person. In other words, a person who is blessed with wealth, they have been chosen by Allah in a sense based on these hadiths. And if they don't do what is expected of them, right? slowly, barakah and that blessing of Allah might actually go away. And they might lose on that which they had. Now here someone might ask a question, and that is that um, it's saying, wala shafa'ah, there's no shafa'a on the Day of Judgment. But we've heard that there is shafa'a. there is intercession. The greatest of intercessors might be the Holy Prophet So why is this verse contradicting this idea of shafa'a? It's saying there is no shafa'a whatsoever. The answer is no, 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 there's a special shafa'a that there's going gonna, gonna to be there. What it's saying here is that, uh, or what it seems to be saying here is that, it's not like you can, anyone can do any type of Shafaa for whoever they like, whichever way they like, however much they like. No. It's not like in the world, in this dunya, where you could just pick up your phone, hit your friend up and be like, hey, I need something like this, I know you don't have it, call your friends, call your contacts, let me know who has it so I can get it from them. It's, it's saying that on the Day of Judgment, it's not going to be like this. You can't just freely and whenever you like, make use of something called shafa there. No, 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 no. If there will be a special Shafa, but that's not that has its own conditions and we'll have to see. We'll have to see if you qualify. That's a different story. All right, so that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of uh, scary. at the same time, hope inspiring. why? Because it lets us know that, hey, if you want to do something, do it now. We're just letting you know. Isn't it great, brothers and sisters, when you know at least what you're getting yourself into or in what direction you're going? This is what I'm going to be dealing with in the hereafter, number one. Number two, this is how I can take care of myself. That's that's great. It's like those kids who, there are some kids who don't know what to expect when they go to university. There are others who know exactly what the process is like, you know, what to sign up for, what major to choose, all that kind of stuff financial aid. Figure There are some who have figured it out, they know what to, what to do, and so they'll do it when the time comes. There are some who have no idea, and they just play it by the ear, they just go day by day, and then whatever, they end up whatever. So this is, at the same time that it might be scary, it's also very hope-inspiring. The map is very clear. This is what your, your destination looks like, this is what you'll need there, take right now, get ready for it now. Very simple. Very simple. I don't think... Uh, I think this is more hope-inspiring than anything else. Alright, page number 43. But can you make the sun arise from the West? So this is regarding a little discussion, debate, argument, if you like, uh, between Prophet Ibrahim and somebody. Okay. Now, the Qur'an doesn't mention his name. maybe because the Qur'an doesn't want to give him any importance, but it's uh, pretty clear, they say, uh, who this person was that Prophet Ibrahim was debating, and that is, or not necessarily debating or speaking to, having a dialogue with, whatever. And he is none other than Namrud, the king of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam's time. Okay, So there's an interesting conversation that takes place at the Qur'an quotes that we'll get to. So let's recite the verse, inshallah. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِي حَاجَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ فِي رَبِّهِ أَنْ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْمُلْكَ إِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّي الَّذِي يُحْيِي وَيُمِيتُ قَالَ أَنَا أُحْيِي وَأُمِيتُ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْتِي بِالشَّمْسِ مِنَ الْمَشْرِقِ فَأْتِ بِهَا مِنَ الْمَغْرِبِ فَبُهِتَ الَّذِي كَفَرَ وَاللَّهُ لَا يهد الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Have you not regarded him who argued with Ibrahim about his Lord? Okay, so somebody is arguing with Ibrahim about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is this person arguing with Prophet Ibrahim? Well, because Allah had given him kingdom. This Namrud, Allah had made him a king. Allah had allowed him to become king. It's not like God had chosen him, but everything happens with Allah's permission at the end of the day. So, Namrud is king by Allah's permission at the end of the day. But this same person, because Allah has given him everything, instead of being thankful, what is he doing? He's arguing with Ibrahim about Allah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's go on with the translation. When Abraham said, My Lord is he who gives life and brings death. Okay, So they're arguing. Prophet Ibrahim is explaining to him what his God, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks like, what his description is. This is his description. He says, My Lord is he who gives life and brings death. What did Namrud reply? He replied, I too give life and bring death. So let me explain what's going on here. What's going on here, before I move on with the translation, is that Namrud, he said, uh, what what they tell us in the stories is that uh, he summoned two prisoners, He's a king, right? He can do whatever he wants. He said, oh, okay, your Lord is the one who gives life and brings death or takes life. Okay, no problem. If that's your Lord, I I qualify too. He summons two prisoners. He orders that one is executed and the other one is spared. He says, see, life and death is at my hands too. So I don't see anything special about your God. (laughs) All right. Well, no problem. Let's continue with our translation now. Ibrahim said, Indeed, Allah brings the sun from the east. Yeah, from the mashriq. Now you bring it from the west then. No problem. You give life and you take that, and you give death. No problem. Let me see you bring the sun out of the west instead of the east. What happened? Thereat, the faithless one was dumbfounded, was baffled, was lost for words, had nothing to say, was stupefied. Okay, those are a lot of synonyms I, I just thought of right now on the spot. Okay, so when this happened, the faithless one, which means nāmruḍ, was dumbfounded. al-lādi kafar, And Allah does not guide the wrongdoing lot. Look, people who find excuses like these to fight against accepting God because of their own personal interests and so on and so forth, God doesn't care about them because they don't care about themselves. They don't want guidance. All right, so... Here's some good things that are happening here that I want to talk about. Number one is, when did all of this happen? When did Namrud... Because Namrud could care less about some normal person in his kingdom, right? Why is this happening now? Why is he having a discussion with Prophet Ibrahim a.s.? So, in the story of Prophet Musa, sim- something similar happened. They They could care less about speaking with Musa. But Musa came and then he started making some noise with his... You know with some of the things he's saying and they're like oh let's hear let's hear this guy out what's he, what's he talking about prophet ibrahim apparently according to what they're saying in their tafsir books the mufassirin they're saying that he also made some noise but some loud noise how because <laughs> they kind of flung him in the in the fire <laughs> and he didn't burn all right so they're like whoa whoa this guy seems to be for real here let's see what this guy's talking about what's this guy all about because he had broken their idols and so they had found out that it was him behind it. So what did they do? They uh, they held him uh, they held a trial against him and all that kind of stuff and eventually uh, they came to the verdict that we're going to fling him into a huge fire. And the fire of course didn't burn by the command of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Didn't burn Ibrahim alayhisalam. Ya naru kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. We told the fire that you have to be cool and peace for Ibrahim, peaceful for him. So this idea, let me just say this in parentheses here, this idea that Prophet Ibrahim was flung into a fire that turned into a flower bed, not necessarily. The fire is still a fire, but it just ain't burning and it's very peaceful, right? So Prophet Ibrahim, he's relaxing in there. Nothing's happening to him. Alright, so anyway, let's go back to what we were talking about here, which is important. They flung him into the fire and they're like, Whoa! This guy's not burning. Okay, there's some there's something different about this guy. <laughs> this guy's for real. Let's let's see what let's hear him out. What's going on? And so it's probably after this where they're arguing with him, and asking him. All right, So what are you saying here? And um, what's this uh, call of yours all about? And so he's explaining who his Lord is, just like Prophet Musa when he got the attention of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, "Okay, now tell me." Uh, what is your Lord all about? And so they started explaining what their Lord is all about. Similarly here, same thing is happening. Where Prophet Ibrahim says, my Lord is the one who gives life and death. Like that's something no one can do. But look, my Lord does that. So he's worthy of worship. Then Namrud starts to argue back. And so then, Prophet Ibrahim, what does he do? What he does is that he gives him an argument that he can't come back at. Okay? And so this person, Namrud, is defeated in this discussion. Now, a couple of points here. No matter what we can do in this life, brothers and sisters, this is something that till today we have people like Namrud, like Fir'aun, that say, wa I can do this, I can do that, you know? Even in school, like even in normal school, you'll have bullies that think they're gods, okay? The Qur'an speaks of these things to humble us, remind us that, look, at the end of the day, no matter how great you are, no matter how great you are, there's always somebody greater. This guy, Namrud, he's like, I take life, I give life, death and life, uh, life and death are at my hands. All right, no problem. Assuming that's the case, which that's not the case. Can you do this? Can you do that? There's always someone better than you, trust me. To the point where even if you're the best in the world, Allah is going to be better than you, right? Surah Yusuf, verse 76. There's a verse in there that I really like. There's a part in that verse that I really like. After it talks about the uh, the solution, or we can say even the trick that was used to keep Prophet Yusuf's brother in Egypt, Benjamin, or as they say, Benjamin. The trick that was used. It was a pretty coo- it was a pretty cool trick that was used. And it took a lot of knowledge by someone like Prophet Yusuf to be able to do that and pull it off. So the Quran, when it mentions how Prophet Yusuf was able to do this, um, it reminds us because we're like, oh wow, we're like, oh mind blown, you know? Prophet Yusuf like really thought of that and pulled it off. That's awesome. Hats off to him. The Quran says, look, if you think that's decent, that's pretty cool. Just know that wa-fuq kulli ilmin alim. There is always an alim above anyone else who possesses knowledge. Everyone out there has knowledge, possesses knowledge. That means knowledge is not part of them really. It's something that, you know, they gained later. The ilm, a possessor of knowledge. Above any possessor of knowledge will be an alim, a person who has ilm and knowledge because of himself. That kind of thing apparently this verse is saying. And some mufassirin have pointed this out. Surah Yusuf, verse 76. In other words, look, at the end of the day, no matter how high you go in knowledge, power, awesomeness, there's going to be someone higher. right? And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's one thing we get out of this verse. It reminds us that, look, you have something, you think you're all that. Uh-uh. You have to be all that all around. If that's not the case, you ain't no God. Right? Keep that in mind. Number one. Another point, brothers and sisters, that you know, (laughs) I was very proud of myself when I thought of it. I didn't see it in any books, but I think it's a really nice one, a really nice takeaway from this whole story is that look, if you're with the haqq and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is the haqq, right? Huwa al haqq, and you want to argue for him, if one argument doesn't work for him, there will be other arguments for him. Because the Haq isn't Haq just from one angle. The Haq is Haq from all angles. And so brothers and sisters, younger ones who might be watching, we, it's up to us to think and reflect upon Allah and His existence and essence, right? About His creation, about His greatness, about His attributes. To learn and read up on these things. Why? Because it's not just one angle that you can look at Allah from, and it is the right, and, 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 Him being the Haqq. Every angle that you look at Him, you see Haqq. And so, if I can't argue with one angle, I can argue with another angle of, him, of His. Yes? And so, it's upon us to read up, to educate ourselves about Allah, this Haqq, so that when the time comes that we want to defend our faith, we want to argue for the Lord and do His work, we are armed and ready. Or else the problem isn't Allah, Allah is Haqq from every angle. But we don't have the knowledge of that, we can't use it, and we make it seem like He's the problem, He's the one who falls short in showing Himself to the people or proving Himself to the people. He's done everything He needs to do, we haven't done our part and we're falling short, it rubs off on Him. And that's the last thing that we want. And that's the greatness of being in line with the haq. That we, you will have the upper hand at the end of the day if you just know how to approach things. So we really ask Allah to give us that tawfiq to be ones who are teaching, preaching the faith after we've taken care of it for ourselves. And we get it right, we do it right. Because there's so much out there to use when it comes to Uh, arguing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, let's move on to page number 44. Ibrahim alayhis salam requests to see how the dead are resurrected. Alright, so are we going to uh, uh, ask Allah to show us how the dead are resurrected? What are we trying to get out of this? Well, no, we're trying to get another lesson out of this actually. And it has to do with something we spoke about in our last session as well, a little bit. The different degrees of yaqeen. So let's recite the verse and then get to that. قَالَ فَخُذْ أَرْبَعْتًا مِّنَ الطَّيْرِ فَصُرْهُنَّ إِلَيْكَ ثُمَّ جَعَلْ عَلَى كُلِّ جَبَلٍ مِّنْهُنَّ جُزْءًا ثُمَّ دْعُهُنَّ يَأْتِينَكَ سَعْيًا وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ And when Ibrahim said, My Lord, show me how you revive the dead. He said, Do you not believe? He said, Yes, indeed. But in order that my heart be at rest, You know, when you know about something, brothers and sisters, it's different than actually seeing it, right? So that's what he's asking for here. He said, so Allah said, Take four of the birds, then cut them into pieces, and place a part of them on every mountain. Then call them, they will come to you hastening. And know that Allah is Almighty and All-Wise. Alright, so... Prophet Ibrahim is asking for something big and huge here, brothers and sisters, huge. This is not your normal, oh Allah, I want the new iPhone type of thing, all right? It's something else. <laughs> I want to see how you revive the dead. Okay, so this is something big, but Ibrahim salam is somebody big, so he asks Allah for big. First thing right here, brothers and sisters, what I get out of this is, hey, uh, shoot for the stars, think big, wish big ask Allah for big as long as it's halal as long as it's something that's possible why not if it doesn't happen Allah will inshallah give me something else right in the afterlife will somehow make it up to me in this life dua is important so don't let how big that thing you're asking Allah for get in the way for you and you uh, get in the way of you asking him okay so that's one thing we take we get right away from there okay but other than that let's talk about yaqeen here Yaqeen has different grades and levels, brothers and sisters. Something, as I said, we spoke about before. Sometimes you have yaqeen and conviction in, in in something, meaning that you believe in it, but you've never seen it. right? And that itself has a lot of value. right? And we have hadiths about this as well, about, about the people of the times of the ghaibah, that how they still believe, although they never saw the al-Bayt, they never saw the Prophet but they still believe because of what? Because of their logic and rationale behind the faith. Or because of the Qur'an that has reached them, or because of the Ahadith that has reached them, and so on and so forth. So that is a type of Yaqeen. There's another type of Yaqeen, where you know the value of something, and you have experienced it firsthand too. That's, now, that's something else, right? So... Sometimes you know what sweet means. Sometimes you're actually having that triple fudge ice cream. Okay, these two are different. I can tell my friend, hey, triple fudge ice cream. This is this is what it tastes like. You've got that texture of the brownies that are in there too. Oh my god! And then the fudge that's in between, swirled up, and all that good, all that good stuff. I can tell him that, but and he will know what it's all about. But at the end of the day. The moment he takes that first spoonful, takes that first bite of the ice cream, he's like, forget all the words that you told me. This is what it's all about. If I think about all of these things, if I think about, let's go back to the ice cream example, if I think about the best ice creams in the world when I'm fasting, that's one thing. But once I actually you know, put that creamy ice cream and, and, and in my mouth and I actually taste it, that's when you know that sigh of relief takes place and I'm like my heart is at rest now <laughs> you know what I'm saying that first bite here a prophet Ibrahim he says once I see it it's something else the magnificence I know it's real there, I don't have a shadow of it there's not a shadow of doubt in me that the resurrection is for real it's gonna happen I believe in all of this O oh Allah but I want to see Because when you see it, when you taste it, when you experience it, it's different than just knowing of it. Even if you knowing of it is 100%. So Allah showed him, yes. And of course, uh, how we know this, most of us might have heard this story, that Prophet Ibrahim had this command of uh, taking a few birds, four birds, slaughtering them chopping them up into like little pieces maybe, or even smashing them up and then mixing up all of them together. So this is all, this is, you can't really tell apart which bird was which anymore, right? And so then he takes, not only that, I mean that would have been enough if he had like a big fat clot of, or clump of meat and flesh and blood in front of him, to then for that to separate and become the four birds alive again. But that's not what happened. Not only did he do that, he was ordered to now take a portion of this mix that he has and place a portion of, or a quarter of each of, a quarter of this on different mountain tops, so they're far away from each other, and then to summon them. With the permission of Allah, he saw how these, the flesh and blood came together again, and he saw, he saw what others will never see until the day of judgment, maybe. Yes, and this was with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he gained a tranquility after that. A tranquility not of not believing versus believing, but no, seeing versus not seeing. At the end of the day, he's a human being too. He hasn't seen uh, this how resurrection is. So one thing I want to point out here is that, look, he wished big, Allah felt that he, he's worthy of getting it, and Allah showed it to him. This shows that we have to make that dua, of course, and we have to do what we're supposed to do f- to be recipients of that grace that Allah will send our way. Sometimes we'll get what we want, sometimes we won't, but we have to be ready to receive as well, especially when it comes to spiritual blessings. Some people, they want and expect to have a certain religious experience in their lives. They're always looking forward to it. It's okay to look forward to it, but have you done what you're supposed to do to reach a point where you will be a recipient of such grace? That's something to think about. Of course, Prophet Ibrahim, you know, was deserving of it and he got it. Now, if I don't get it though, if I ask Allah for it and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason, this is the important part. Is that going to be a deal breaker for me? For Prophet Ibrahim, if Allah had said, no, I'm not going to show you, would anything have changed? Of course not. He would have still been the firm believer that he was in the Akhirah, in Resurrection. Okay? But at the end of the day, it was something nice to ask for, and he asked for it, and he got it. It wasn't going to be a deal breaker if he didn't get it. And so for us... When when you hear about some some of our youth, like they start doubting because they're doing dua for certain things, it doesn't happen. It's not a deal breaker, brothers and sisters. These things are not deal breakers. Who says that we've come into this life to get everything we do dua for? That's not the purpose of this life. So if Allah gives alhamdulillah, if it doesn't, it's not going to be a deal breaker. That's how it's going to be with Prophet Ibrahim salam. I just do want to say one thing though: these religious experiences, these nice things that we read about sometimes about scholars that you know experiences they've had. For example, Ayatollah Bahjat and things that he experience, would experience. We have to understand, these are not the end goal. To be able to see, not just know, but see how resurrection works shouldn't be the end goal of, of this life. Show me one verse, brothers and sisters, that speaks of the goal of us coming into this life is so that we have special religious experiences. I saw a, an angel. I saw a jinn. I um, had a certain dream or this and that. I... You know, I felt God differently. Yes, these are good if they happen, and why not? You know, really, why not? But these are not the purpose and goal such that these will be what define for me my spiritual success in life or not. Sometimes you notice like people, the way they get hyped up over a video that, you know, something miraculous has happened to someone, and everyone is around it trying to watch that video. All right, that's cool. I want to watch it too. Why not? But like the way we are blowing it sometimes out of proportion, are we gathering around the Quran like this? That's how. That's what it should be. Surah al-Jinn. You read it. It says that the jinn came back and started speaking to other jinn. They're like, "Hey, we're coming back from somebody, or from some from we 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 came across a book, Quran ajaba. This is a cool book. You know, something along those lines." And. Uh, You know, this is what it says, that's what is going on, this prophet, this, that. I don't remember the details, I'm I'm just speaking off the top of my head right now. The jinn were blown away at the Qur'an. Are we blown away at the Qur'an when it comes to, versus uh, certain religious experiences or cool things that happen? I'm not saying it's it's, it's, it's a problem to go after these things, but I'm just saying they're not the priority, they're not the end goal. Let's not waste time on these things. Doing certain a'mal so that a certain thing happens. Okay, that's, not, that's a cool thing. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but if that is the end goal, I'm doing this for this for that. I want the veils to go aside so I see special things. Well, brothers and sisters, our scholars tell us, if that is your end goal in mind when you're doing certain amal, it's probably not going to happen. It has to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I'm doing a dua, if I'm doing a dhikr, if I'm doing a worship, I'm doing this to get closer to Allah and Allah's satisfaction. If He gives me a special religious experience, all the better. If not, it doesn't matter because I'm an abd and that is the purpose of my creation. Surah Dariyat, verse 56. Allah says, I created you to be my abd. That's the purpose. And that is going to get you anywhere that you are going to get to. Inshallah. Alright. Let's move on to page number 45. Would you take it for free? I don't know about you guys, but I certainly wouldn't. (laughs) What are we talking about here? Sometimes, people are generous with their trash. (laughs) With the impure things of their life. Okay? Is that acceptable? At the end of the day, I'm helping a poor person. Well, let's talk about that. Let's read the verse first. Surah uh, Al-Baqarah Surah verse 267 It reads Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu anfiqoo min tayyibati ma kasabtum wa lakum Minal Ard. ardh wala yumammil khabeetham Minhutum Fikuna wala stum bi illa an tughmiloo fee wa alamoo anna Allaha Hamid. So the translation is O you who believe Spend from the pure things that you have earned and whatever we brought forth for you from the earth. And do not aim at the bad of it you spend, while you would not take it except that with closed eyes in it. (laughs) And know that Allah is self-sufficient, praiseworthy." Okay, so what's happening here is that um, there are people who will spend in the way of Allah but they will spend their garbage in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will spend something according to this verse that if they were to take it themselves they, they spend in the way of Allah that which if they were to be given that from someone else they would if they were to take it they would take it while the way I'm going to say it is while holding their nose. Okay? while they're not interested, they're upset about it, they're turned off by it. This is what some people do. So brothers and sisters, it's good to give in the way of Allah, but if this life is all about giving up what you don't like, yeah, while keeping everything that you like, what kind of test is that going to be? What kind of growth is that going to have for me? This life is all about giving yeah true giving but giving in a way that it is kind of like a test for me what kind of test is that let's think about it you have a wealthy person who has accumulated who has so much at home of clothing and shoes and whatnot and so what do they do what they do is every year they will uh, go through all the clothing they have, take all the worn out ones, give them away so that they can now go buy new ones and so that now they have space in their home for new clothing and give away the rest. Okay, wait, I'm not saying this is wrong necessarily. Sometimes even that's good, okay? Sometimes your used clothing for some is going to be very good. But look, we have to keep in mind that there will be times where we have to make sure what we're giving at least is something acceptable. That's what it is. I mean, look at the word, the wording of the verse. It says, the pure things, give from the pure things that we've given you. Don't always be giving worn out um, stuff that, that people usually are turned off by. Because at the end of the day, when we give, especially in the way of Allah, we're doing that for our own spiritual progress and growth. This won't have any effect for us when there's no hardship. As a matter of fact, it's good. I'm happy to get rid of this anyway so that I can make more space for the good stuff that I want to, the, the, more, the newer good stuff that I want to bring in for myself. Okay, so when it comes to giving, we have to be careful that we don't fall in this category of those who are giving that which, they would never take it themselves, even if it was given to them for free. Right? And that's why we have that famous verse in the Quran. If you want to reach a certain level of righteousness and spiritual growth, you won't reach it unless you give from that which you like yourself. That's what righteousness is all about. That's where a test lies. That's where your growth is going to be. Now, we do have to remember, brothers and sisters, sometimes people might go overboard with this and they might give too much. Or they might buy anything new that they buy, they'll give it away right away. Okay? No, no, no. Let's not let's not look at it like that. Let's keep a balance. I have new things, I want to use them, that's fine. All I have to be careful is not to give stuff that's considered impure because it said give from the pure things that you have. All right. So if I if I'm if I have if for for at our house we have a certain type of food that we eat, okay? let me give some of that to others sometimes or something similar to that not that i get the best quality for myself and the worst quality for others okay once again every case is different i want us to understand this brothers and sisters sometimes it's better to go quantity versus quality okay sometimes it's better to just get those $1 cans and spread and, and as many as we can to feed as many people as we can that's the, you know it depends on the the scenario as well Sometimes I have a whole bunch of used clothing that I know people can benefit from. So what am I supposed to do? Now throw these away or just keep them for the rest of my life? No. That can be given away as well. But there should be a balance where there will be times also that I'll have something good that I'm also giving away. Okay? Now the younger ones out there, I don't want you to think that now this means that most favorite, I don't know, jersey that I've bought of my the team that I, that I like or that player that I like or my favorite, I don't know, whatever device or whatever toy or whatever that I have, I have to give that away or else I'm not the good person that I'm supposed to be. No, no. If you have a favorite thing, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to give that away. All in all, brothers and sisters, let's keep a balance. Let's not fall on either side. It's not like I have to grab my family's lunch and go and give it to somebody else. No. The balance is make sure that at least you are giving from the pure things that Allah has given you as well shouldn't always be some raggedy shoes that you're giving out. Alright? Uh, and I think that the brothers and sisters out there, they have a good understanding of this. This is a, just a reminder for, to all of us that, look, w- this world that we're in, this dunya that we're in, is one of growth for us. And if we want to grow, then th- it's going to happen through these means of it sometimes being a test for us, inshallah. Alright. Finally, page number 46. Giving is always good. So the previous page also spoke about giving, right? And how we're supposed to give when it comes to that, the, 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 the good that we're giving, the thing that we're giving. It should be something that is also pure, something good. Um, and the criteria was, it's not something that we, we have to hold our noses and take from people if they were to give it to us. Something like that. Okay. This page, what we're going to get out of it, Okay, and I've selected two verses actually from this page that are saying that are you know giving this message across that giving in any way possible is good as well, is encouraged day, night, publicly, privately, right? As long as you're giving, inshaAllah, and you're doing it for Allah, of course, and you're not doing it to make other people like, to show off or. Make other people happy with you or proud of you, of course. That's a riya, that's, uh, it's better not to give at all if that's why you're giving. Other than that, yeah, don't worry too much about these details. Give, give in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's read the verses. So verses 271 and 274 from this page, um, page 46. It says, "In tubdu الصَّدَقَاتِ fa وَإِنْ you have الْفُقَرَاءَ do خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ can't مِنْ this. And verse 274 says, in a young figure, and a lady in <icons> a lady in a lady in a lady in a Translation, verse 271, If you disclose your charities, that is well, it's good. But if you hide them and give them to the poor, that is better for you. And it will atone for some of your misdeeds. So if you have sins, this is going to actually wipe them out. Awesome. And Allah is well aware of what you do. Verse 274 says, Those who give their wealth by day and night, or by night and day, secretly and openly... They shall have their reward near their Lord, and they will have no fear, nor will they grieve. Okay. Um, this is These are some of my favorite verses, actually, because there's a nice lesson in them for us. That there are benefits in giving charity openly and secretly. All in all, there's one general benefit, and that is that those who are in need will be taken care of in this way. Now, why would doing it openly be good? Doing it openly because it says that it, that is well, that is good. If you disclose your char- charities, people see that you're giving charity, it's good. Why? I think some of you can guess why. Because it encourages and promotes this great deed, this great act of infaq, giving in the way of Allah Subh'anaHu Ta'ala. When you see others giving, you're also encouraged to give. I don't know if you noticed or not, but in the centers, this is what they do. There will be people that are spread amongst the audience who know when their turn is, when their fundraiser is taking place. And they, when they see that things are slowly maybe fizzling out, they'll jump in there. They'll be like, I give $5,000. This, yeah, this hypes up the audience to and, and, and encourages them and motivates them to start giving again, right? And then after a little bit, someone else says, I'm going to give 10000 Right? So then again, everyone's like, yeah, there's hope. Let's, let's start giving. Let, there's hope for us to reach that end goal, which uh, usually is not reachable. <laughs> um, but uh, inshallah, Allah blesses all of the communities and centers. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, inshallah, with uh, abundance. And uh, not struggling in their fundraisers. Alright, so, that's the good thing about doing it openly. When you hold a food drive, for example, and people are driving in with their food, it's good. Do it openly. It, it encourages this uh, act. People will come. You take pictures, you put it on social media. Encouragement. This is encouragement. Of course, we will have to keep our ikhlas throughout the whole process. Don't forget that part. So that's the benefit of doing it openly. But doing it privately, what's the benefit in that? Well, I would say that you run such a less and lower risk of riyah happening and your ikhlas being tainted. At the end of the day, if I'm doing this for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'll promote it, you know, I'll promote it if I need to so that I can get others. But if, there, if that's not on the table right now, if that's not something that's happening right now, Right? If there isn't much of a reason for me to do it publicly, let me keep it discreet as much as possible. And this is what we learn from our Holy Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt. When were they usually doing their charity work? In the night time, from what we hear. Yeah? Leaving it on people's doors. The people sometimes themselves, the recipients of their charity, didn't even know who had given it to them. To that extent, they keep it discreet. Why? Because that is khayrun. As the verse said, If you're giving it to the poor, and you are um, keeping it discreet, if that's the proper way of translating this verse, then that's خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ The point here is clear though, that if it's discreet, it's better for you. Why better for you? Because there, there's more ikhlas in it. There's more devotion to Allah in it. And that's what we're after with all of the work that we're doing. Who cares if so-and-so sees and -and so-and-so sees? What can they do for my akhira? They can't do anything for my akhira. The only thing I'm doing is I'm losing some money in this life and losing Allah in the process and not getting anything out of it on the Day of Judgment if I don't keep the ikhlas. So why not stay away from the edge and just keep it discreet as much as possible? Yes, the rule will be to keep it discreet, but yeah, there will be exceptions there will be times that it's a good idea to let others see as well, so that they're motivated as well. So that's how that's what I get out of a verse like these. And just all in all, what you read of verses like these in hadiths is that to keep it discreet is better and is the rule, but there will be some proper exceptions. So I want to share with you a hadith by um, one of our imams. It says, I'm just pulling it up here so forgive me yes it says az zakatul mafrudah uh, apparently this is imam al-sadiq alayhi salam az zakatul mafruda, tukhraj alaniyatan wa tudfa alaniatan that the wajib zakat that everyone has to pay this is taken out and paid alaniyatan. taken out alaniatan wa tudfa alaniatan it is taken out publicly and also Submit it to whoever it needs to reach publicly. This is a wajib act. It's you know it's it's harder to show off when it comes to the wajib acts, right, brothers and sisters. <laughs> and and also promotes this for others as well and encourages them to do the same. What about the the non wajib stuff though? الزكاة, right, in fa huwa afdal, if I got the wording right here. That, I think that's what it says here. I'm sorry, there's a little problem with my uh, document here. But that's my guess. That the non-wajib alms that we pay, the charity that we give, all of that, if that's given sirran, discreetly, in private, such that others don't see it, فهو Afdal, it's better. This is better. What do you get out of this, brothers and sisters? Is that in normal circumstances, when it comes to the mustahab ones, the ones that are extra, the ones that are special, that when people see, they're like, oh, did you see so-and-so? He did this, he did that. She did this, she did that. Those ones, I don't want people to even know about it. Who cares? What am I going to get out of their praise? I might even lose things. So I'll keep that discreet. The wajib, there's good reason to do it publicly because it will promote it. And it'll get others too also get involved in these great acts. These acts that have kept Islam alive till today. The financial matters are very important. They have kept Islam alive today, till today. They have taken care of the Muslim ummah till today. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to do them properly, to carry them out properly, these commands. And at the same time, at the same time, m- get maximum benefits from such by keeping it discreet as much as possible unless a good reason is there for to, for us to do it publicly we ask Allah to give us ikhlas in all of our actions especially those related to uh, charity and money and giving in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala walhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma nawwir qulubana bil qur'an wa zayyin akhlaqana bil qur'an wa najina minan bil qur'an وأدخلنا الجنة بالقرآن، اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا، وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا، وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا، وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا، برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين، والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.